0: go. From sunny Miami, Florida, this is Raw Tools. The first of two episodes I'll be recording here down in the Sunshine State. Looking out my hotel room window, I can see absolutely nothing. It's been that case the past two times I've been here. The Chicago Bears keep finding ways to lose. I could have written that headline five years ago. It would be just as relevant as it is today. Chicago losing to the Steelers, 29-27 on Monday Night Football. Oh, by the way, uh, Gab Gowdy is our guest today. Uh, The FanDuel, Cleveland Browns Twitter superstar. Seemed like a big coming out party for Justin Fields. Saw a lot of positive reactions on social media, and it should be. But among rookie quarterbacks this year, they're just not getting it done. And and one that I want to talk about up front is Green Bay. And Jordan Love, who was forced into starting this past week against the Chiefs when Aaron Rodgers went on the COVID list. Rodgers, not vaccinated for COVID and due to protocols, couldn't come back within the set amount of time after he was diagnosed. Um, Gab said, I don't know how many quarterbacks there are actively p- playing in the NFL right now, but Jordan Love is by far the worst one. And he left a lot to be desired out on the field, but it's not an open-and-shut case. You look at those conditions down there at Arrowhead Stadium, it was it was brutal. The wind was bad, it was getting cold. You were playing against a team with one of the loudest and best fan bases in the nation on the road in your first career NFL start. And it would be easy to make excuses and say, oh, Jordan Love could have done better under more favorable conditions, but I will say, I mean, that is the true barometer in the NFL these days. Uh, it was going to be a big debut regardless of where he was playing just because of the anticipation and the hype and trying to follow up or at least get close to what Aaron Rodgers can do on the field. And I think a lot of people viewed this debut that Love had underneath a microscope. It would determine whether or not he had that it factor. And out the gate, uh, the ball placement was bad. Uh, mid-fourth quarter, really bad interception, LeJaria Sneed picking it off at the five-yard line, just wiped out a seven-minute drive. I will give Green Bay credit. Their defense and their run game kept them as close as they could in that game where no one was doing anything right, neither Patrick Mahomes or Jordan Love. But as I said, this isn't an open-and-shut case. Anyone who's followed my work over the past five years knows that I'm not a big fan of deeming progress as linear success doesn't follow a straight line it doesn't follow a curve um, all the way up the x-axis and y-axis if it did every rebuild would start from zero start from scratch and increase and move upward in perpetuity but that's not how it is and you take a look at the stat lines from Sunday night between Jordan Love and Patrick Mahomes Love goes 19 of 34 for 190 yards one touchdown and three passes for 20 or more yards. Completes 55% of his passes, has a 69 ish passer rating. Not that nice by NFL standards. As for Mahomes, 20 of 37, 166 yards, one touchdown, passer rating of 75 because he didn't throw a pick, 54 completion percentage. The unfavorable weather conditions. Just an early November, bitter cold game in Kansas City. Uh, nothing was working for either of them. And I would give Jordan Love some credit that he was able to persevere and keep his team in the game till at least the final few minutes. One thing I did notice is that Love's confidence increased. Over the course of the second half, he established a bit more of a presence in the pocket, whereas in the first half, he would bail after one and a half, two seconds. His O-line wasn't giving him a whole lot to work with, um, but he was making a lot of off-balance throws in the first half. He was rolling out very quickly and splitting the field in half, sometimes trying to throw across his body. So I give him credit for making those connections later with Randall Cobb, with Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and Devonte Adams. One other thing I noticed that was weird is that Kansas City put his mom and his girlfriend up at the very, very top of the stadium, which was which was nuts. I heard, <clears throat> I read some joke on Twitter, and excuse me, my voice is going out here. It's been kind of a rough week, but someone made a joke on Twitter that Green Bay hasn't had to put in many requests for quarterback family tickets for the last 10 years or so. And on that note, you go back to Jordan Love completing 55% of his passes. Rewind the clock 10 years almost. December 18, 2011, Aaron Rodgers makes his debut at Arrowhead. Coming off an MVP season, one touchdown for Aaron, past a rating of 80, 49% completion percentage. Green Bay was undefeated at that time. Riding a great win streak. Lost to Kansas City. Can you guess the starting quarterback in that game? Kyle Orton, filling in for an injured Matt Castle, but yes, Kyle Orton. Chicago Bears legend, Denver Broncos legend, not so much a Buffalo Bills or Dallas Cowboys legend, but Green Bay was just a couple miscues on special teams and just an upgraded quarterback away from having the Chiefs in the palm of their hand Sunday night. So regardless of your opinion on the COVID vaccine, this is not what the show's about, but Aaron Rodgers not being available to come back through the COVID protocol really did let his team down and cost them what could have been a decisive win. It's been kind of a bad week for Aaron, played the woe is me card on the Pat McAfee show, which is essentially barstool sports for men approaching their middle age. But this should be a good learning lesson for Aaron Rodgers. If he can filter out all that nonsense that he was spewing on Pat McAfee, he can play for the next four or five years. You take a look around the league. Ben Roethlisberger still has a career in Pittsburgh. Tom Brady has kept his body in premier shape. Uh, Green Bay will need him there as a presence at quarterback. And he can play for the next four or five years but they need him to be a leader, kind of be a river, not a reservoir, as they say. This team can do so much better, but looking at this game in a vacuum, uh, it's really upsetting, the circumstances behind it and the situation that they threw Jordan Love into. I want to talk about safe hires. I'm in the state of Florida right now, and all is not well in the state of Florida Gators football. University of Florida team and head coach Dan Mullen just lost 40-17 at South Carolina on Saturday. The worst loss to the Gamecocks in program history. Things are trending downward for the Gators. They are 4-5 and five on the season. And Mullen thinks the right thing to do at this point would be fire defensive coordinator Todd Grantham. And they fired their O-line coach as well. Um, every college head coach has a bit of narcissism. Uh, And the feeling that the rules don't apply to you. Uh, But in the end, culpability falls on the head coach. This late in the season, Florida boosters and fans and anyone following the program knows that the blame rests on the figurehead. It's who's driving the ship. And it's curious because I don't know if anyone saw Florida being in this position in year four. (sighs) Florida hired Mullen after the 2017 season. He had just spent nine years at Mississippi State, had built that program into something respectable in the SEC West, wasn't a perennial contender, but he did well at a program that hadn't experienced a lot of winning in recent history. And so the impression to me at the time I was working in Knoxville was that this was a safe hire, quote unquote, for Florida. Uh, Seven and five being the absolute floor Mullen could win at Mississippi state. So you give him the resources in Gainesville and they should be a perennial contender. That is not the case. And the only division title they have won in four seasons will be during last year's anomaly COVID season. They went eight and two in conference play. You don't get that sample size in a regular college football season under normal circumstances. So they've lost 3 straight this year. They're 2 and 5 in conference play. You got to wonder how far is too far for the Florida administration. I remember not too long ago in 2017 there was a super short lease for Jim McElwain. Florida had gone through some pretty rough years, particularly the administration before or the head coaching regime before with Will Muschamp. So Jim McElwain had no leash. And he was out after two and a half seasons. And those first two seasons, he won division titles. It wasn't that he wasn't winning. It's that he wasn't winning flashy enough or well enough. Now, with Mullen, they're just not winning. He was 69 and 46 in nine years at Mississippi State. Only finished as high as second in the division once. You, You wonder, is this what Dan Mullen is? He had a sub-500 conference record with the Bulldogs. And again, four years at Florida, one division title. Granted, Georgia has been a behemoth, and that rivalry has been fairly matched through the first four years. Florida's had Georgia's number a couple of times, not this year. But you think of the lows that, that Florida has gone through in the past four years. They had their first loss to Kentucky in 32 years back in 2018. And now he's done it twice. Even Jim McElwain did not lose to Kentucky. He came very close. And I remember he looked sullen, almost depressed, like about to cry after it happened. But I don't know. I don't want to ramble. I think there's a good encapsulation on Twitter right now. There's scenes cut back-to-back of locker room speeches. And it's Kirby Smart preparing his Georgia Bulldogs for a game and Dan Mullen preparing his Gators. And just the way that they talk, the demeanor, the terminology, the attitude, it's night and day. Kirby's telling his players to let loose and rip their ass loose and whatever that means. And Dan Mullen is very much enunciating, kind of gently guiding them. He saw that hit piece in The athletics said a lot of teams didn't really respect the way Florida played this year. So they didn't play that hard. That comes down to coaching. And unfortunately, the coaching responsibilities in that area don't fall on Todd Grantham, and they don't fall on assistants. It's Dan Mullen. It's sink or swim time. I apologize for fumbling my way through that monologue and my throat was very clogged up those first five minutes or so. So if you made it this far, thank you. We got Gab Gowdy coming up in just a few minutes. But first, one thing that we've done the last couple of weeks and we will do it again as we wait for the NFL to kick off this week. What do we do? We power rank the top 10 teams. Yeah, yeah! So as of today, November 9th, here we go. Number 10. 10. Let's go with Denver, it seemed for a while they were going to hold Dallas to a shutout down in Jerry World, but really impressed with the defense on the road, impressed with Teddy Bridgewater, old Teddy Roosevelt at quarterback, found a great connection with Tim Patrick, rode it to a win. Line. I'm going Ravens here, Lamar Jackson has led Baltimore to two wins after trailing by 14 points this season, and that's equal the amount in John Harbaugh's first 13 years as head coach. Incredible. Eight. Uh, Eight. I'm going Buffalo. Uh, This is the most shocking thing. Nine to six loss at Jacksonville. What happened? This was my team in the AFC. Still my feet. But they're starting to lose the same way, or at least look the same way. They sputtered against Miami a couple weeks ago. Uh, This is not what an AFC contender should look like midseason. Seven seven I'm going Patriots riding a three game win streak just stomped over Carolina also have the second best point differential in the AFC just behind their division rival Buffalo six Uh, six Tampa Uh, they're off this week gonna prove that that loss to New Orleans was a fluke still the best talent the league has to offer in the NFC once it all gets healthy and all coalesces should be smooth sailing in that NFC South five The Rams, not giving up on them, a little disappointed that Matt Stafford spotted the Titans 14 points on Sunday Night Football. Those back-to-back interceptions will haunt him for a while and uh, set the team back permanently in that game. It could have been a completely different game. They're still my pick for a wild-card spot at this point. We saw what Dallas did in the face of adversity down 13-0 at the half, their worst deficit of the season. Uh, They lied down that is not the approach you want to have when you occasionally don't blow the doors off your opponents but it's still the league's most efficient offense would like to see it pick up this week against atlanta three green bay i mentioned this in my monologue they're a couple of kicks away and a better quarterback away from having kansas city in the palm of their hand it should have been eight wins in a row for green bay they could have really taken the air out of Arrowhead. not to be jordan love give him credit he kept the team in the game. Two. Cardinals right back on track. They lost to Green Bay, but regathered. Didn't have Kyler Murray. Didn't have DeAndre Hopkins, but still an impressive 14-point win over the Niners. Colt McCoy was in his vintage Texas Longhorn form, showing that this team can win with just about anyone. One. The Titans. That lockdown defense. Kevin Byard. The pick six. Just two consecutive interceptions the Titans had against the Rams really put that game in hand Uh, Ryan Tannehill deserves a purple heart or some sort of gold star for surviving seven years in Miami particularly the Adam Gase years he was not at his best in this game but still made it work and the team not relying on its rushing game with Derrick Henry out for what could be the remainder of the season didn't rely on Adrian Peterson in his first game with the team I really like the grit and perseverance as of right now The Titans are the team to go through in the AFC. My guest today is a content creator at FanDuel. She's a sports social media influencer. If you're at all familiar with Cleveland Browns Twitter, you probably know and love her for her Browns takes and all around great sports takes. And she might just be your favorite sports personality on the internet if you are not a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. It's Gab Gowdy. Gab, welcome to Raw Tools. How are you? Hey, yeah,
1: I'm good. Thank you for having me on here today.
0: This is a, a great get and I've wanted to have you on since the very beginning. I'm glad that we finally got to make this happen because from afar, I respected and just watched how you grew your following during the pandemic. You started those follow trains on Twitter and you brought in this whole community and now you've really built up your brand to I'm trying to be least. this big thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that was that it's been it's been crazy. I'm not gonna lie to be honest. It's been a crazy, yeah. It's just, it's just, I don't know. It's just been a complete career switch flip to get where I am now. So it's just insane. So that's been fun.
0: Let's talk about that for a second, because you are a chemist by trade, right? Yes. Do you do you still does one stop being a chemist or are you still a chemist? What's I the...
1: stopped. I stopped it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause... I stopped being a chemist and I started doing posting memes on the internet. <laughs>
0: I guess that skill never goes away, right? Like, it's yeah. still there as a fallback. I mean, uh,
1: For sure, yeah.
0: That's the dream, though. I mean, you've got the great foundation moving forward.
1: Yeah, for now, at least.
0: <laughs> well, let's start with what we just finished watching, the Battle of Ohio. I think probably Cleveland's best game of the year, beating the Bengals, 41-16. After that first drive, Denzel Ward picks off that ball at the one-yard line, takes it to the house, the Browns have three turnovers on defense. Just an incredible game. How refreshing is it for you to finally have a game where they just stuck it to them all four quarters?
1: Ah, uh, that was crazy. That was like I was like, well, I, going into that, I didn't think that was going to happen. I was like, our defense is probably going to fold. The offense is going to be whatever. I just, I just thought it was going to be way closer. I thought we were still going to win, but I thought it was going to be a closer game. And our defense, that was crazy. That was phenomenal.
0: You had everyone making plays, not just Denzel Ward. But I mean, I covered AJ Green when he was at Oklahoma State. Great fumble recovery. I
1: love AJ Green. He's so nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's really nice. Nice guy. When did you meet him? When did I meet him? Last week.
0: Oh, at the game?
1: No, that's just throughout the week. I was seeing, we have the same agency.
0: Oh, that's right. Wasserman, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. He's represented by them. And then, yeah, so that's how we connected.
0: That's great. Very cool. What'd you guys talk about?
1: He said, well, what do you do in sports? And I was like, uh, talk shit. <laughs> He's like, no way. <laughs> and that was just funny. He was really nice.
0: That's awesome. A great story. Uh, undrafted free agent, uh, had the tools to be a, a late round draft pick, but just kind of obscure mm. playing at a big 12 school where the defense was still on the, on the up and up, yeah. but that's great. He has building a role on that defense that's really been so good uh, these last few weeks and is getting better. Um, Leading up to this game, I was following your your Twitter feed, and it seemed like you were a bit exasperated with Browns fans, feeling like they were a bit complacent with four and three, four and four. Why?
1: Well, I mean, like, I get it. We all say it's a long season. A lot of things can happen. However, just because you weren't good – for a long time doesn't mean you don't deserve to be good every single week. And I get a lot of them, they're like, well, we did this last year. I'm like, I don't really care what we did last year. Like we did it and that was cool. But if we talk about what everybody did last year, that'd get exhausting because there's no point of playing this year. Mm -hmm. And it's always like, well, we won a playoff game finally. I'm like, okay, well, let's try another. Like, cause the point of playing in the NFL is to win football games.
0: I I felt you were about to say, don't give a shit. And you can totally do that. This is raw. It's unfiltered. (laughs) Okay. Do not feel the need. Do not feel the need to hold back or restrain yourself. Uh, How much of the temptation is there as a Browns fan to, to dwell on the mediocrity that's led up to this the past 20 years?
1: They all hold on to it for some reason. I'm like, guys, we're good. Come on. Just like want more. You know what I mean? Like, cause we have the players that can give us more. So we should be expecting a little more. Not saying that they owe us anything, like the players, they don't owe us anything. I'm just saying, like, as fans, we should want more than what we've had before, which is not much.
0: I'm trying to figure out the reason why, because I've rooted for mediocre, formerly mediocre sports franchises in the past. And it feels like there's a bit of like a security blanket in that, you know, either five and seven or under 500 baseball team kind of thing is that kind of what it is it's just this unknown uncomfortability with the unknown of what's beyond a you know 9 and 7 or 9 and 8 seasons? I
1: guess I guess it's that because I don't know what else it would be
0: Yeah I, the last few weeks it's been a whole lot of drama around Cleveland specifically with that OBJ situation it, it didn't work out with Odell Beckham and I think the data proves that up it, Baker's more efficient without him. The team was scoring more points and winning more games without them. But it felt weird that, that there was a need to take a side that a lot of fan bases were, oh, I'm team Baker. Or, oh, I'm team OBJ. Yeah. And, it, and it's really, I didn't think that was really what it boiled down to was whether or not the team was better with or without OBJ. On which side or on which argument did you fall during this whole saga?
1: I just thought it was ridiculous the things that grown men were saying about other grown men. I'm like, they're not they, like, why are you guys being so mean to each other? I'm like, just because one person likes whoever they like, doesn't mean you have to yell at the other person. Like I think Baker Mayfield is a, I'll say maybe a top 15 quarterback. I'm not going to give him more than that, but I don't think he's terrible. Do I think Odell could be one of the best receivers in the league? Yes. It's just not going to work with them because whatever they got going on is just not happening.
0: It's it's such a slippery slope, kind of like, I feel like I'm treading on ice. If you were to go on social media and say, yeah, Baker's a, a top 15 quarterback in the league, oh, but, would you freak could out. Do, but you could do so much better. And you add sort of that. I'm not going to give him, you know, more than $30 million a year. Yeah. And you've even talked about this a little bit that he's not worth breaking out the Brinks truck for, but that's such a point of pain for Browns fans. Why?
1: I Cause have never seen anything like it. And like, This is not any hate to him because what he's done for us is great. I'm just saying they just settle for just like the bare minimum. And he's given us a lot. He has. However, I'm just saying you you cannot tell me that he is a top 10 quarterback. Today, you (laughs) can't. But if you go out of everything that's happened, you can't tell me that. Yeah, and like, they want to pay him so much money. You look at Josh Allen. You gave him $40 million. He just lost to the Jags today. So it's not just him it's just like all Patrick Mahomes even they, they don't need that much
0: money the NFL is weird because you can't have everything with the salary cap you've got to focus you got to distribute you have to have a playmaker on each unit and distribute it distribute the money wisely Baker's coming up at the end of his rookie contract and it was weird. The narrative leading up to this game, before the OBJ thing, it was Case yeah. Keenum had to come in. Baker had the bum shoulder. Now it was, oh, the Browns can win without Baker. It felt very dramatic. Now so, it's but-
1: like <laughs> it's stressful.
0: Yeah how how much? Uh,
1: all. It's just so stressful because each week it's a different thing. And I just hope for the life of me that we can just continue and keep winning because I cannot go through this process every time we win a game and then we lose and then you go through it again. Does that make sense? It's just like our way of how it goes. Like we win, a, we win a game by a lot of points and then we're great. Then we go a couple weeks later and we lose to someone mediocre. And then we lose to a good team and then we beat someone's bad and then it's all over again. I'm like, can we just stay consistent? I'd love it. <laughs>
0: Consistency
1: in the run game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it might not. I mean, the next couple weeks would be interesting. New England and Detroit. You would hope. Well, we
1: should we should win at least one of them.
0: Knock on wood. Yeah. If there was any time for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions to show out. I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Um it, it was an interesting narrative with Baker. Dealing with that shoulder injury, it seemed like there were three options for the Browns: you ride it out, maybe another yeah. year; you move off him, or you deal him in some capacity. Uh, today, Baker was really efficient. Had that yeah, great, great. people's Jones. How much did that move the needle for you, Baker? For Baker, not overall?
1: any. Why not? I'm not. It's not going to move anything for me because I've seen this happen every single year. We beat the Bengals and then we go, oh my God, we're so good, we're gonna win a Super Bowl. It's literally it's literally like we beat the Bengals every single time. Everyone's like, Yep, we're in.
0: This is the first time in a couple of years where it actually it feels like it matters. You have yeah. Good quarterback and Burrow. The teams the Bengals were playing some really good ball. They blew out the Ravens a few weeks ago. It seems like this game has more meaning than usual.
1: I say if we beat the if we sweep the Ravens, then I'm sold.
0: It's a tall task.
1: Yeah, but that's that's what it is. We beat, we have to beat them. Uh, who else do we have? The Packers. That we probably won't beat them. So that's whatever. Um, we have to be. If we don't beat the Steelers, I'm not sold.
0: Because we should have beat
1: them last week.
0: That was the That was embarrassing. That
1: was yeah, bad. that was bad. That was really bad. Like you can't tell me that we are a worse football team than they are.
0: Yeah. Baker is, I mean, statistically speaking, in the last 20 years, probably the best, the best quarterback. quarterback
1: in Cleveland. Yeah.
0: So, so
1: what, that's so like.
0: You're, G- you're the GM of the Browns. What would you do with him after this year?
1: I don't know because it's not over yet.
0: What do you need to see out of Baker to cement him as quarterback for the next three, four years? In your
1: mind? What he did today every single week. Hmm. Not every single week, but I it more. I can't, I can't have game. This was the first time he threw a touchdown pass in like a month. Which was okay. amazing. Again, they were good, but I just need to see it more. And I need to see it not against the Bengals.
0: <laughs> Consistency be- becoming a theme. In what this would you do? Game. What would I do with Baker? Yeah. I don't know. I've got a significant Oklahoma following. I can't, I got to watch my words here.
1: See, oh. see, I know it's hard because they yell
0: at you. Hey, uh, do you get hate from o- OU fans at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man.
1: Yeah, because I said Odell's my favorite player ever to play in the NFL, But he is. I just think that's just not even just like player wise. I just like who the guy is. Personality. I think he's super cool, super fun, entertaining. I just think he's a cool guy.
0: Just a blend. Just a blanket statement. I like the guy's personality, not trying and they to take get mad. sides. Yeah. Isn't it t- challenging for you, just given the role that you have right now at FanDuel, to take sides or, or not take sides, but kind of express opinions now? It comes- uh, yeah, it's
1: way harder. People get so mad at me.
0: Yeah. What's the worst you've gotten so far?
1: Uh, I can't even tell you. Okay. Like, I'll t- like, I'm like i telling you, like, the things that these people say, ridiculous. Just because I don't agree with something about their football team, which is also my football team. It's like, that I don't know, the Browns fans are weird. Like, if you say one thing that someone doesn't like, they'll call you a fake fan, so you can't be a fan. Mm. Like, today, I posted a picture, because some guy sent me a Joe Burrow jersey, like, I won it in some, like, contest. It was random, like, I didn't want to win it, I just won it, and I got it. I took a picture of it, I said, outfit for the day. With like a laughing emoji and everyone's like, you should not be a fan anymore. That's so messed I'm like, I'm like, guys, you really think I'm going to wear that?
0: Hmm.
1: It's just, they're just, I don't know. It's just jokes. They can't get jokes.
0: Like, there's a lot of social media literacy and nuance that I feel needs to be explored and studied by populace and sports fans sometimes. That's rough. Um, yeah, so consistency with, with the Browns, offense and defense, has been kind of a common theme of this interview. You'd like to see the team play at a more consistent level. What else would you say the key would be moving forward these next several weeks?
1: Um, win all the games. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Defense still playing like they did today.
0: Yeah. What else we got? Um, Cleveland Guardians going to start their new season, maybe with the, the Guardians. I don't name.
1: know if that's going to be. We don't even know if that's going to be their name now.
0: Can you imagine all the names available in the world? Some some great legacy names like the Spiders, and they're like.
1: I love the Spiders.
0: You know that roller derby team downtown. What if we just, just took, that took their name?
1: <laughs> like you would have thought. Like, see, I feel like that was just very everything about that whole decision making to that like. The name change needed, yes. The new name decided, that was just like straight up zero effort. (laughs) Like imagine announcing a new name. None of your players know what the name is until you announce it. And you don't have merch with it when you're announcing it. And then your players go on social media saying, well, this is one way to find out. That's the Cleveland way.
0: The 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 logo and like initial designs, it kind of just felt like someone took Comic Sans and then like adjusted some of the angles at the endpoints and wrote yeah. Guardians. And I, I, mean, I mean, how? What do you think about it? Just the the name, the design, everything.
1: Um, bad.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I think it's bad. Like, I I wanted. I'm just. I was big on spiders. I didn't go for it, so it's like this is not good. This is not what I like. Hmm. But I mean, like I'm still going to go to the games, obviously.
0: Yeah. So coming up the next few weeks for you, what do you got going on? What are you following?
1: Mm, sitting on my couch watching football.
0: Oh. How do you celebrate a Browns win? Yeah.
1: Depends where you're at and where you're watching before. Okay. Because sometimes, sometimes, okay. So we celebrate. Celebrate, I'm not that's a loose term that I'm using. Party. Better one. After the losses, too. Cause I mean, that's so it's what we've always known. You watch the game, you go out, and you carry on your day.
0: Good times and in bad sickness and in health. That's good. What else am I missing?
1: The Cavs are good at basketball.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you've been to a few games already this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the Cavs. Yeah. Um, just real quick. I mean, what's been your first few impressions? What's working uh, for
1: Uh Young, fun team with a couple old guys on there, keeping them together. Kevin Love, Ricky Rubio. And they're just looking good. They're having fun. They've, they're playing good basketball, good, fun basketball. They look like they're in a fun environment. They all look like they're enjoying to be around each other. We don't have teammates going to Bleacher Report this year, tattling on each other. <laughs> so it's been fun so far.
0: Mm-hmm. This might be a, the, the turning point season for them. They're not rebuilding. They're not really being walked Yeah, they're over. just kind of
1: there. I mean, Evan Mobley is amazing.
0: Yeah.
1: He has looked so great. He's like the best one on the floor I've ever single game that we've had. Mm-hmm. Him and Jared Allen.
0: I remember – reading an article i forgot where it was from it might have been cleveland.com but how the staff is giving mobley like different types of players on film for him to study before games like one game it'll be Giannis; another it'll be kevin garnett and trying to play to his strengths almost and make him develop different uh tools reminiscent of those stars who does he remind you most of
1: who does evan mobley remind me of yes uh see not none of them Hmm. because he's quiet and he's just doing whatever he's quiet he's just staying to himself and he's just playing basketball I mean I feel like he doesn't have like the star power like you know like LeBron James came in he had the star power like Jalen Green he has some little star star power to him I just I don't know I just think he's just there and he was like overlooked and he was just quiet and now he's just playing basketball scoring points
0: you mean like that media friendly, larger than yeah. life personality? He's a little bit yeah. more humble.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, how refreshing is that to have someone who's just a, a grinder?
1: No, I like them to be exciting. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I like the excitement of it. Like, I just, I like when people have, when they have like big personalities and they're doing big things. And, but as long as we win, it's fine.
0: Speaking of big personalities doing big things, it's Gab Gowdy from FanDuel. Uh, where can they find your work gab
1: uh you guys can find me on instagram and twitter and tiktok at gab Gowdy, g-a-b-b-g-o-u-d-y and you can also find me on fanduel on all of their platforms all the time
0: gab's making power moves she has been a lovely just wonderful guest on raw tools gab thank you so much for joining
1: yeah thanks for having me yeah
0: we'll wrap things up by talking college football playoff this week we did something different we we took the four main football guys here at studio soapbox and did our own college football playoff poll i took the three other guys coach Bo, thomas and tyler their picks took my picks and added it up ap style and averaged out the scores like they do every week for the AP poll. But I thought with a smaller sample size and some more opinionated and eccentric individuals, we might have something that contrasts a little bit with what the college football playoff committee um, so terribly did last Tuesday. And I forgot to mention that for some reason last Tuesday, that that was the first week of rankings for the CFP. Must not have mattered that much to me. We're not going to do this countdown style, but I'll run through the top 10 and give you some notable outtakes and drops. Um, Georgia, obviously, number one, has dominated every opponent, including Missouri this past week. Uh, We have Oklahoma and Cincinnati tied at number two, just because four people voted, two of us had OU second, two of us had UC second. Uh, Both teams control their own destiny, and both teams, I believe if they win out, should make it. Oklahoma has a clear path to the Big 12 championship. Cincinnati, it's going to come down to an inevitable showdown with Houston. After that, we put Alabama at four. Despite their one loss, they have the best talent on the field. They have crushed everyone else handily. And the rest of the season looks easy. They've got New Mexico State non-conference wiffle ball game uh, down there in Tuscaloosa. Then it's Arkansas. And then Auburn. Don't know how the Iron Bull will shake out this season. I would not put my money on first-year head coach Brian Harson and the Auburn Tigers. Oregon at 5. 10-point win over Washington leaves a lot to be desired. Ohio State at 6. Oklahoma State and Notre Dame tie at 7 in this poll. OSU has been on the up-and-up. They had that one lukewarm kind of fart of a loss that Mike Gundy has once a year uh, to Iowa State a couple of weeks ago. ESPN's Football Power Index, or FPI, gives the Cowboys a 43% chance to win Bedlam this year. Who'd have thought? Notre Dame uh, still suffered that loss to Cincinnati early in the season. That will factor in if they somehow win out and everyone above them loses. Uh, Michigan at 9, Texas A&M at 10. Uh, Aggies really holding out hope for another Alabama loss. Because if a and wins out and Bama loses again, that's your surprise SEC West uh, division title winner. The Texas Aggies. Uh, UTSA is undefeated and they were left out of the college football playoff rankings last week. Uh, must have something against Conference USA. They came in 12th in our poll. Michigan State dropped to number 13 in our poll after losing to Purdue. And Baylor took a dive as well. I had them 10th last week. I told you my strategy is that if you lose to an unranked team, you get pulled from my top 25 that week. With the chance at redemption the following week, you can definitely get back. So, yeah, everything else, uh, this whole poll result posted on my Twitter at Luke Slaybaugh. The first studio soapbox poll, we will continue to do this as we lead up to the playoff. And that was the podcast. Thank you so much to Gab Gowdy for coming on and talking the state of the Cleveland Browns. Love that. I will be in Miami here through next Monday if you are in the area. Feel free to reach out on my socials, at Luke Slayba on Twitter and Instagram. See you next week.